Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 172, Structure Matters, Layout Needs for Writers and Editors. Presented by Jason Pitt, Matthias Benici, and Will Heinmarch. I'm up here, so I'm still walking around. Everything's good. Oh, good to have you. Thanks. Pleasure coming out. Fantastic. So, welcome to Structure Matters Layout Needs for Writers and Editors. So, I'm in the strange position of being a writer, editor, publisher, and layout artist, both for myself and for other people, which means I've stumbled into places of uh, where I've internalized elements of my own workflow so that things work. And I realized that not all humans on this planet have internalized the same workflow. Um, So part of this is to provide context to people who may not have do much later on their own, on their end, and have a sense of what constraints we're dealing with and uh, what decisions can make your layout artist happy and how your layout artist can help you communicate the content of game. And how you can save money. Yep. So um, before we get into that, my name is Jason Pitt, Genesis of Legend Publishing, RPG Design Panelcast, and a bunch of other things. Uh, Yourself? Uh, I'm Will Hindmarch. I'm a writer, uh, game designer, narrative designer, graphic designer, layout artist, book designer, cover designer. I've lay, I lay out everything from like children's books to RPG books, uh, some novels, poetry, collections, all kinds of stuff, websites. Hi, I'm Matthias Benici. I'm the owner of Lost Cog. I'm a game designer, graphic designer, author, book designer, cover designer, ad, etc., etc., etc. So, we're qualified. <laughs> all right. Come on, spinning you can do it. it is spinning. All right, yeah, so generally we want to explain the general process of layout, discuss how the structure of the text impacts layout, uh, show you what word count actually fits in a page, and identify some common issues that we deal with. Um, so the reason why we have a PowerPoint is so we can uh, show what a few things look like visually. This is the standard jargon slide where we, you know, just generally talk through what the terms we're using are. So um, we have the, we, the page, the spread ca- which consists of all the pages, uh, the gutter that's uh, the space between them, the white space we're using, header one, header two, header three. I mean, it's basic stuff, but having just the basic foundations for 30 seconds means we don't have to worry about skipping anything. Uh, any questions? We're all good. Do you all know the difference between a heading and a header? There isn't one. There are different programs used in different ways, but if, if don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That's the point. I got in trouble once for it, and I, it was wrong. All right. So how much text, text can you fit on a page? My general rule of thumb I mean, there's a lot of variance depending on typefaces, letting, um, how much white space you want, how much image, how many images. But as a baseline, I tend to run with around 250 pages uh, per page on a six by nine. 250 and, words per page. Uh, so yes, words per page. Sorry, um, and about 500 words per page for an eight and a half by eleven. Does that is, is that for a page with only text? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. Is that for a page with only text and no headers? Uh, I will show you some examples in awesome. a uh, very shortly. You do, you cannot cram more than four hundred words in a six by nine. 
you cannot cram more than 750 words in, in a 8.5 by 11, that's supposed to say. That's just not going to happen. Done. Uh, bulleted lists take up more space and will reduce the, num uh, the number of words. And images will suck up some of that space. So let's look at what some of this looks like. So this is 250 words and 400 words. 400 words is practically unusable unless it's fiction. Uh, because there's no space to breathe, there's no headings. That's, that is the, pretty much the laws of layout physics mean that you can't get more than that. Uh, but 250 words is a relatively comfortable amount. Uh, that, that uh, this is currently 12.5. Um, one thing to think about here is that uh, for reading, you can put quite a few more words on a page than you can for reference, which is obviously one of the things with an RPG book, is that uh, you can get away with stuff in a novel, which is to say, get away with. You can just put more words on the page. Um, as opposed to an RPG book where you also need pages to look familiar when somebody's flipping through and they remember that you know, rule X is on the page with two headers and a uh, image of a ghoul on the left, or whatever, um, which we have, we have more to, I'm sure, in a second. But is that that's where some of that reference material, the the, the usage of the RPG changes how many words you're going to put on page. Here's an eight and a half by eleven with those same two hundred fifty words. Yeah, that's practically unusable in this context because there's not nowhere near enough text within the absence of other images or. Um, other uh, space-taking tools. So, 400 words even. That same max is still a little sp sparse. I mean, with some headings, you can fill that in a bit more. Um, but, you know, 400 words is a little on the low end. That's 500 words, and that's 750. Once again, 750 is ridiculous. This is, you're never wanting to cross over this. Yeah, it's the difference between the monster manual and the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 500 words is fairly comfortable. I tossed in some heading threes in there uh, for flavor. Um, running on double column layout because double column works pretty well overall for an 8.5 by 11 and is disastrous for a 6 by 9. Uh, and don't do triple column. Just don't do triple column. Yeah. Unless you're like Mouse Guard. I, I'll, I'll let you, if you've got a weird format, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'm not going to fight with you about this right now, Jason. That's fair. Uh, yeah, so at the end of the day, all of your content needs to fit on a series of pages and spreads. Anything that's visible on the same spread can, can be compared to each other. Anything that crosses spreads is harder to keep track of. Uh, key mechanics or paragraphs uh, need to be kept together on a single page where you can as much as humanly possible. So chunk your text to fit within the page's word count. This means as a writer, you want effectively to be writing your manuscript uh, in 250 word or 500 word chunks. Also accounting for the bullets. Yeah, we, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> uh, so, uh, a useful tip for that is actually uh, on a 6x9, switch your page size to A5. And it will line up with roughly the same amount of text. It's roughly the same page size, and you can, that's how you can sort of roughly fit your word counts uh, to align with in the your word pages. processor in your word yeah, processor yeah. Uh, in word so so copy fitting this is the superpower we try not to use it as much as possible but letting your layout artist just copy fit and fix things means that we don't pull out our hair trying to do the impossible or toss it back to you and have to wait X amount of time. But Jason, what is copy fitting? Copy fitting is where you let uh, the layout artist uh, <clears throat> temporarily act as editor and uh, cut out text that is just too long to fit. Your two words over, your, which is making us bump over one more line, and it's just 
So by copy fitting, you effectively have usually the layout artist going, delete this, delete this. Uh, we need more here. I'll just write a sentence. Um, you know, this one's a little, it's a little awkward, but if I add in one more sentence that explains this a little bit more so it's consistent, oh, it now looks sensible and it lines up. Some layout artists will do this if you give them permission. Some will just say, screw that, you have an editor. Make your editor do that. Give me the correct raw inputs. Um, and we normally only resort to copy fitting for major issues because we have all sorts of dark wizardry that we can use for the minor ones. What are, what are some examples of major issues that we can think of in which this has actually come up? Allow me to show you some examples. So, um, this is the kind of situation where you want to keep all the text on a page. Because, uh, like, obviously, uh, the last point, why the topic is challenging there, that's just not usable. That's not intuitive. And it looks super weird. Uh, that's presumably just the top of that paragraph. Yes, that's just yeah. the top of that paragraph. So it's the paragraph that's sp spilling across that line. Um, the way that I would deal with that is either shoving that last uh, heading down onto the next page, Excuse me. or cutting some of the word count in that first page to shrink it up, depending on what's the context of that page. Um, I mean, in this kind of awkward situation, I have also... Um, moved the last three paragraphs, shoved them on the other page, and used a illustration that covers the full spread on the bottom to use up that space. But cutting is, a, is, a, is often the solution, if you can do it. Now, it depends on what form the text is coming in, but, I mean, that's often what you really need to do. And permissions that you've given to the layout artist. Yeah. And uh, it's cheaper to cut than to buy more art. Yes. That sometimes you need to show the art anyways. Right. And, and, yeah. uh, and especially when we're cutting, we're actually talking about cutting things like, phrases like in order. For the, in, in, like where you say, instead of saying in order to, you just cut the in order. Those two words, cutting a that, these kind of things. Um, and I especially, uh, uh, working in-house in, in, in layout for, for various companies, those cuts, have to be, would traditionally have to be reported for at least the first you know couple of books until somebody decides okay you know that you're only cutting in order instead of cutting sentences um, and so having a clear communication as to what the layout artist is allowed to adjust is super important and one thing to note I know it's super it's fuzzy but you see that's two words at the back and that's two words if you cut two words out of each of those paragraphs you gain two lines. So that's what copy fitting can do. Literally cutting an in order in each of those two paragraphs. And also sometimes when you guys write stuff, like for this type of space, you're referring to a specific image or you're talking about a specific thing mm -hmm. that you've given us art. We try to make the art reflect your writing and try to convey your idea properly. And I actually have a pit slide dedicated to that because, yeah. Uh, all right. Don't cram too much uh, content in for a spread. Um, this is the issue of bullets. They're kind of nightmarish. Um, so uh, this is an early draft of a project that may or may not be for someone in the room. Um, but uh, in this kind of situation, that second bulleted list on the bottom right or the the first bulleted list on the top right clearly need to be trimmed. We just need to pull things out of those lists. Um, just visually, not looking at any of the content, I assume that it's the thing on the bottom right because, you know, it's taking up more than half the page already. Is this a reference page? Or is uh, this a... Uh, this is actually a playbook. Playbook page. Okay. So, um, 
it's a list of various choices that you'd be making in uh, character creation. So you'd pick two of these. Uh, so, yep. How many words is a bullet? Each bullet is a line. I know, but I mean, so in general, bullets add word count, right? Or they so bullets add word count, but it's not a direct one for one because a bullet that with two <coughs> words takes as much space as a bullet with eight words, eight words, or ten, words. ten words. Yeah, no. And also, depending on the indentation and the, the the design choices on the interior, a bullet can take up considerably more space if it's a quarter inch indented and how much space is between the bullet and the text. Um, there's a lot of book design decisions that have to be made or that are better made once you know roughly how many bullets and bulleted lines are in the book. It's a bullet-heavy book. We're, we just did at, at Game Playwright Robin Laws' new book, uh, Beating the Story, which is a sequel to Hamlet's Hit Points, and that book is full of bullets. But we knew that going in when we designed the book because we had the manuscript already, thank heavens. So we can do things like uh, design or devise ways for to have bulleted lists spill over to the next page without feeling like that one page is uh, uh, like you end up with one bullet on the next page and it looks hideous and, and nobody remembers what that what list they were just reading a page ago. Um, and a great question to like who gets to cut what and when and move what where and yeah. Oh, wow. The other problem. Uh, so this is an issue of we have a consistent structure and we need to put the same kinds of... Uh, so this is a uh, four-page, uh, effectively a two-page um, playbook. So that the other page was uh, the front and this is the back. So normally in the rest of the text, this section has more than enough text to fill this space. And it's great. But in this one edge case, there isn't. So these moves are, rather than these being these long, expansive paragraphs, they're you know, one or two line things, which mechanically are totally fine. But that looks weird, doesn't it? Um, and it's unbalanced and empty. So uh, for instance, in this situation, the options are either A, change the moves, which you can do, uh, or you can add other kinds of content in, uh, uh, in here where the, we have the white space over the illustration, or move the illustration up. You could shove the illustration in the middle of the page, uh, and that will reduce the issue. The ideal thing from a layout perspective would be for the text to be consistently the same size, um, and to not have, um, in this case, there's two very skinny moves. To not have two very skinny moves, only have one, and swap that out with something, a, a fat move in another playbook. What if you move the image to the previous spread where there was the thing that was hanging off the end? Ha ha ha. Yeah, so <laughs> you're going to have a stack of a few, maybe 20 uh, distinct playbooks double-sided. Mm -hmm. And you're going to want to be finding, identifying them by looking in the same place generally. Same place every time. For every shuffling, shuffling yeah. things around and fucks with the, with the reader. Yeah. Gotcha. Makes a lot of sense. Um, because in a book, it's going to be, um, you're going to be flipping between a page like that and a page like that. So it's got a very clear, the black on the top left of one set of four uh, is the start. And then the image is the, is the end. Uh, so it's a consistent set of markers that you can always use to navigate. Uh, and it means that it's also easier to handle uh, operationally at the table. Um, this is a little bit of a weird case because it's simultaneously a book and a printed handout. Um, but mm, powered by the apocalypse, what are you gonna do? One of the things to think about it too, with which, which this is great at showing, is that if you look at the pages really small as thumbnails, and you look at if a, if in a playbook they them looking similar is great because the player's learning where their eye goes to do certain things. In a book, if every two-page spread is the same, especially by accident, then the player when they flip through might have they can turn four pages and then essentially get lost, not know what section of the book they're in without stopping to read a section. But if, for example, the combat chapter. The illustrations are all uh, uh, ten towards the upper right, or 
uh, within a given chapter, you find that illustrations move throughout the page. So like the D&D &D, uh, uh, equipment chapter, if you look, um, equipment moves throughout the page where the illustrations are. So you're like, oh, look, I'm on the page with the swords. Or I'm on the page with the with the with all the random items. Uh, these kind of guidelines help people orient themselves in the book. So they say, I'm in... Uh, uh, I remember that the combat move that I'm looking for is on the page right after the page with the big shield in the upper left-hand corner. Right? And so they just look in the upper left-hand corner while they're flipping through pages until you see art go by and you're just registering house, dragon, monk, shield. Okay, shield. It's right here. Uh, that kind of landscaping to the book is super helpful in, in something like an RPG reference material and is kind of learning a separate lesson from the playbook move, right? right. Where, where you have, where the, to achieve the same result, you have to do opposite things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you need to leave room for illustrations because uh, I, this is assuming that this illustration needs to work with the text that we have on the top left or the top right. Yep. How did you solve the last one? Oh, uh, solve the last one by either uh, fattening up the moves. That, so how did you actually text. solve it? Oh, uh, I added in this specific case, I, I got additional new text contextually that fits in the blank space on the top right. So a bunch of leading questions. Things that are good narratively, but have no actual mechanical impact. But actual content. But actual content. Yeah. Doing. You put all the bullets on every, you just cut a bunch of them? Yep. Right. Which will not always be an option, so we'll have to go well the character. Now, fortunately, uh, my writer on that particular project said, yeah, I trust you, just, just cut things. I have other shit to do. <laughs> so it worked. Um, it would have also, but it's also work on my end. So if I was charging by the hour, then I would have just said, no, you cut it, do it. Um, so yeah, so leaving room for illustration. So if we need to have this uh, ghostly, uh, bustling market image um, hooked, up to, hooked up to that text, you either need to uh, move those additional paragraphs or reduce those additional paragraphs that are currently marked in red there, uh, so they're not showing. Um, in some cases, as a designer, this is a matter of, or, uh, or as the author of a book, this is a matter of thinking how far away in words can you make a reference to an illustration that is also referenced, say, by a heading, right? So if the notion is that, that, that uh, uh, the header of this is the night market and the illustration for the night market, if you want to be on the same page, but the night market section is 850 words. You're leaving the layout designer to decide where on the page it's gonna go, which page it's gonna go on, and you might have a reference that you're like, well, I'm gonna make two references to the same illustration of swords, but those references are 1,200 words apart. Somebody's gonna have to turn a page to go back to look at the swords from that last, from that second reference. Because the, the which is why it's important to know during design for the book as an artifact or as a user interface, how many words per page, like if you're making a six by nine book, if you're making an eight by five book, a square book, whatever it is. So you have a vague sense of how many words are actually going on each page as you're, not necessarily as you're designing the game, but as you're designing the book. Keep equivalent categories the same length. This is for one of my own projects. Uh, I have a freelancer writing for me. So this is a category and two subcategories on the right. So the thing on the top right and the thing on the bottom right are of equivalent value. These are actually like effectively uh, stat choices. Uh, so they're, they're different traits. So this is ridiculous on the page and extremely lopsided and it, it, it confuses the hierarchy. Like just if nothing else, it looks like the thing on the top right is an entirely different thing from the thing at the top. It, it's at either, the it looks either more important or yeah. more complicated or more powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's like that. That's a structural problem, and um, I've gotten this from freelancer, multiple freelancers in the past, where you'll get this slightly uh, lopsided because uh, because the narrative 
will take more space naturally in one area than in another, which is okay. But for practical, functional purposes, this is what we're really wanting to look at. Roughly the same size for the paragraphs, so that it's very clear that all of these things are of the same level of importance. Uh, you're getting the same amount of information. Uh, and they take the same amount of visual weight. Um, now, sometimes this means that you're, you can fit it all on one spread. Sometimes this means it's going to have to split onto another page on another spread. And um, so maybe, so this is, uh, for instance, 75 words per um, uh, entry. chunk of, yeah, per entry. At, um, if I double that, that takes over an entire other page. Which means that now I'm running off of three pages per section. Um, so sometimes the Terran origin placeholder with the image is on the left page. Sometimes it's on the right page. Maybe that's okay. Um, maybe I want to boost the size of those so they're 300 words. And then it takes a full four pages and two spreads. Those are all places where we can toggle based on the project itself. Um, but, you know, there's legitimate layout constraints because you, what, what you don't want to do is set those at 100 words so it only takes up half the next page. Or uh, 250 words so it takes over part of that last page but leaves a bunch of white space. How many of us are D&D players? Or have, or have been D&D players one time or another? Think about the spell section, or say even the feet section, but especially the spell sections of D&D books, and how much room a given spell takes up, and how much we infer based on the size, uh, the amount of text in a spell. Like that you're like, I'm not gonna take that spell, it's almost a full page. So, permanency. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Or all the edge cases in Wish, or what have you. Oh, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Right, which yeah, and that's, oh, nice. Yeah, and that's I was gonna say that's that's a joke that how many people got. <laughs> um, but but when you think about the fact that feats are generally all about the same size, but spells are allowed to be different sizes, and how differently that changes the flow and retention in those chapters. Feats are designed to be referenced in the book less, and spells are okay to reference in a book more than feats are. I mean, you still go back to the book for a feat, but you want to be able to kind of get the sense that that the shape of the shape of a feat is there's a there's flavor text and a prerequisite and then what the feat does, and you should be able to kind of internalize that as a so there's a reason that they don't do 500 words for a feat. You could write all kinds of flavor text for feats, but instead you want it to be able to be memorable and memorizable. And a spell, it's a little more comfortable to go back and look at, and the amount of words allocated to that is part of it. So best practices. Give layout professionals the final version of the text. This, these are all the ideal things that in the real world rarely hold up. <laughs> well, rarely occur. Rarely occur. They hold up when they happen. Oh, yeah. that's great. <laughs> um, so give the final version of the text. Give the layout professional the majority of the art. Let the layout professional identify outstanding art needs. Uh, and then you uh, commission the additional art after that point. This is a dream scenario that will never operationally happen unless you're doing all of these jobs yourself. One of the, the dream scenario being I have three you know corners in the book that I would love to get three quarter piece or quarter page illustrations for, and the and the layout artist can go back to you and say, can you get three quarter page illustrations for us? It would be a big help, and you can literally and you can say yes, which almost never actually happens in, the, in order of operations. But when it does, that that part with the layout, you can say I have a blank spot. Can you write a pull quote, or can you write a, a piece of dialogue, or can you write uh, a, a commission a piece of art? Yeah, yeah. Those those are dream scenarios. When the answer is yes, um, and which is one of the reasons why uh, having spot art that you can pretty much plunk in anywhere is very useful as a resource because you just right. keep those in reserve for those edge cases. Like we've had twenty pages with no art here. Uh, can we draw something right. in, please? Um, or we just have way too much white space, and there's no classy way to handle this. Um, 
chapters should be generally they're around the same size. Uh, you don't want to run into a situation of a thousand word chapter and a ten thousand word chapter because that's just weird. Um, like it's not on the micro scale of layout, but on the macro scale, structurally that's an issue. Traditionally, you also want chapters to open on the same side of the page in every book. Uh, novels sometimes cheat this, but in a reference book or whatnot, chapters should. I mean, traditionally, open on the right-hand page. But that's not necessarily true if in the book they always open on the left-hand page, but they should always open on the same side uh, in the book. And so that means that if you do cross, for example, let's say, once you get two words or 15 words into a new page in a chapter, you might as well try to find enough content in there to make sure that it's going to end on the same side of a page as the previous chapters, you know, roughly. Or understand that you're going to want, again, spot art to, make that, to fill up that difference. Uh, and that's to me the real thing is I can take chapters that are that are thousands of words apart in size. That's great, but if if all chapters are end are are, are x thousand five hundred and one chapter is x thousand, that's often more problematic because it means that I have one chapter goes halfway to a new page and then I still have a whole page I have to fill before I can start the next chapter. That's creating a difficulty for the layout artist. Right, right. Spots I have to wrestle with. Yeah. Yeah. What am I going to do with all this space? When so, I can't just start the chapter one page earlier. Uh, so I actually ran into an edge case where I did the full word count of a project and it was 18,000 word chapter. Oh, sure. Um, in, in, in RPGs, I think that happens with some frequency. Where the right, with, with, with the average of all the other ones being like 4,000. Yeah. So so I, I worked with the uh, writer in question and we split it into two chapters. Right. We, we sort of chunked them into two different categories. Um, and it worked. So now there are, you know, more reasonable uh, chapter sizes. So they were only, uh, what, 40 pages each instead of a single 80-page chapter. Right. Which, has, which has an impact on the person in the store paging through your book. Yeah. And it, especially if you have one of those book designs where the chapters have markers on the outside of the book so that they can look at it and see, why is this chapter 80 pages? What, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> um, whereas, what's that? Right? Yeah. yeah. The, the, well, and it's one thing if you're like, well, this, these are the monsters at the back of the book. It's another thing if you're like, these are this is the equipment list or whatever, right? It still communicates complexity or lack thereof or accessibility to the reader. Uh, ideally, uh, the writer and editor would uh, constantly and consistently use headers throughout the text uh, and would then uh, have them clearly marked and tagged in some fashion. There's a bunch of ways to handle this on this end of the table. You sometimes simply can, doing consistent word styles can be enough. Yep. As the layout artist looks on one side and says, "Oh, that's that's a header one, header one," or actually importing the styles, but that can get messy. Um, so you have about the same number of words between headers. Depends depends on the content. Uh, like 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 you were saying, yep. if if you're doing individual entries for you know feats or spells or monsters or something, yeah, it's a good idea for them to not be wildly divergent. But you know, if your book is about wizards, and uh, you spend more time on spell components than you do on broadswords, the content dictates how far apart those headers land. But like for the subheaders within a chapter, let's say, should it, if if you are normally having, you know, oh right right. Three headers per page. Should you always be trying to hit about yeah. three uh, headers? Not, per page? No. not necessary. I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 neither virtuous nor a vice to miss it. Um, but what you want to do is not have you want to have your two headers all be about the same kind of content, roughly the same scale of content, uh, whenever possible. And there's an ongoing debate. I may be able to sort of fight up here about whether or not you can have a three header without a two header. Yeah, and do you have to have text, or should you have text between oh, always text header between one and header always two, text header two and header headers. three? Otherwise, uh, otherwise, you can that, have a fight a over. Yeah. Those are fighting words. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, and by marked and tagged, um, you can actually make your layout artist's lives much easier uh, if you use certain consistent tags. Uh, what are tags? Uh, such as uh, you'll put in um, uh, brackets or some other device that say this is H1. So open bracket H1. Header 1. Header, uh, H1. Close bracket. 
Yep. Then we say, oh, look, uh, tell InDesign, look for anything that follows uh, open bracket header one, H1, close bracket. Apply header one. And that goes through the entire text. You do that with header two. Well, now the header twos are done. You do that with header three. By doing that, one, we won't accidentally mess up the hierarchy that you've intentionally set up of content. Two, it takes us, what, five minutes? Yeah. Depending yeah, on the book, yeah. Um, and it, so much of that is repetitive. And so yeah, yeah. repetition can cause mistakes. So, yeah, don't, 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 don't mess up and do header one on this one and H1 on that one, for example, because that creates more opportunities for us to have to search. And every search is a chance we'll miss one. Yeah. H space one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh God. H underscore one. Yeah. And whether it's brackets or brackets. Bracket. Yeah. Um, and that's where the agreement on the style guide is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A steel style guide agreeing on everything, such as on this project, I'm using Futura. We look at this. We're good. We're good. Okay, this is done. Decision made. We're never changing this. Moving on, um, because if you change from Futura to Georgia, Georgia, Helvetica, I'm just going to no, 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 Georgia, because we want to swap it from a sans serif to a serif. Right, right. That's why uh, I went Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes we don't know if you've done that on purpose or not, and it, depending on if you have one chapter in Word is in is in Minion, and another chapter which is largely sans serif, and you do one in Georgian uh, or Georgia. We don't know, are you trying to communicate to me that you want one chapter to be sans serif and one chapter to be serif? Because, or that you just open them in different versions of Word last, or I don't know what, you know, don't, don't ever let make the layout artist assume based on that design. Go ahead and either state that you don't care, right? That like, oh, you gotta pick a font, pick a yeah. nice readable text face for it, or I just want it to be serif. Or uh, 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 expect questions about, uh, so why are you using five different versions of Helvetica? Uh, and you can also use things like, okay, you are italicizing your example text. You have italicized this one section of text over here, but it's not example text. Is this example text? Are we treating this like it's example too? Should it be, for or example, indented like example text, or should it be just regular just text in italics? Yeah. This is where, uh, for example, the difference between word styles, I'm gonna get really specific here for a second. Word styles can be, are great because they import into InDesign correctly from Word docs. Things like OpenOffice that can save to a Word doc doesn't always do styles correctly. Scrivener, which I love, does not actually have styles in it, or at least it didn't when I stopped using it because it did not have styles in it. What it calls styles are not styles because other programs don't, can't read them to say, like a style does, where if you say, I made a, a, a thing called uh, a spell subtitle, or monster subtitle, or uh, that uh, uh, bold and italic text that goes at the beginning of the paragraph in D&D 5e and DM books at the Dungeon Master's Guild. That's emphatic text. So anytime I click emphatic text for the style, it will make the t the, that same font bold and italic all at once in one typeface, and it makes it, it communicates to InDesign what emphatic text means, and that it should always look like this. Then if I go in and change that style, it changes it throughout the document. And it says all of these things are now going to be sans serif because you changed your mind. That's great, no problem. Uh, if they're not styles, then I have to go through and every time a bold-faced letter appears in that book, I have to highlight it and change it. Otherwise, if it doesn't, if it's not tagged, right? Which italics in a in a paragraph aren't going to be tagged. So when you're emphatic in text and you just say this is the day that we fight, I have to find that word this, highlight it, and change it to the italic style. And you don't you want to minimize the amount of time that the, that the layout artist spends highlighting your text and clicking stuff because that's more opportunities for me to accidentally hit shift or return or delete delete or to, to toss a capital T in there in the middle of the letter for no reason which has happened. Yeah. So um, the more stuff can be automated, and yeah. we can talk a little bit about how to do that, the better for everybody. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So this is the end of the visual presentation half of the show. Um, but we are, oh yeah, we've got another, what, 20 minutes? Right. Yeah. So, um, here's an example real quick, uh, uh, twofold in terms of how to communicate 
to layout artists and how not to communicate to layout artists. This is from real life. If any of you have the Lycaea Sanctum book for Vampire the Requiem, in the back fourth, maybe the back fifth of that book, there is a note to the art director in the book. Oh, nice. Yeah, that, that was the developer on that book. This is my fault. Uh, it's also the art director's fault, but it's my fault more because I had two passes to fix it and he had one pass to fix it. Uh, and what it was is that I had written an art note to the art director so much that was just a line, that was just a block of, of text between the end brackets that when it was time to go back and take all the art notes out of the manuscript, which was standard practice at White Wolf at the time that you would use certain art notes right in the manuscript, don't do that. Um, uh, uh, clicking through, okay, delete, 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 yes, you know, delete, continue, delete, continue, find again, uh, skipped one and didn't notice and nobody noticed during layout or anything because it just looked like a paragraph, right? And because you're going through often, depending on you're hitting a print deadline for Gen Con or whatever it is, you're going through so many paragraphs or so many pages of a book so fast that you're, looking, you're going through looking for those one lines with double brackets that are notes to the art director or whatever it is. Um, and it made it, through the, it made it through a proofreader, it made it through the development pass, and made it through the art director because it looked like a paragraph, because it was a paragraph. But uh, the book was out something like nine hours when I got the first email about it, right? So to fresh eyes, it was immediately visible. Um, who's MB and why is this vampire talking to them about the art in this book? <laughs> I was like, oh, right, yeah, that's not canon. That's just a mistake. Um, now it's technically a canon mistake. It is not. It is not. It is an art note in the book. <laughs> it's not meta. It's not a clan book. It's just a mistake. And not only do I have to live with it, but here I am telling you about it. Uh, but that's the kind of thing, too, where you think about if you have to make notes to lay out in the text, standardize the brackets you're using and think about uh, uh, anything else you can do in the manuscript to set them off so that it's always clear that they are not like I have a style just for notes of the lab yep. person so they can then just go through and delete them um, I'm sorry this is magenta text in right? uh, Comic Sans oh, no, I, I'm not no, no, <laughs> I make it stand out but I'm not a monster <laughs> there's a chance a small chance it's not going to be there's always yeah there's absolutely always that risk but there, no, you're never going to miss Comic Sans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. You can hear it. You'll hear it in the book. You'll pick I, up the book and be like... My wife tries to get Sans. me to say Comic Sans is the best just to piss me off. No. <laughs> you're like, right. Uh, Comic Papyrus is better. Yeah. God, I so I'm, So I'm going to go. <laughs> no, now that we've reached the Comic Sans Papyrus portion of the panel. Um... Uh, uh, but so, what are some, what are some decisions that, that we can recommend that as layout artists we would like to be made before, like at the manuscript stage? Like for starters, like word styles are super easy, right? And then they're easy to apply. And Word has a function now that is great, which is where you can select all instances of a style in a document by right-clicking on the style and, and and highlighting and saying, "I want to see every instance of that emphatic text. I want to see every instance of layout artist note, or whatever it is." And that's a great thing to do before you send stuff off to art direction or editing or layout is to find out what styles are actually now have gone unused in this particular manuscript. Um, or what styles being used once and you've forgotten. There's a thing where you can have blank lines are still styled. And you're like, oh, oh I didn't realize that there was a whole style in there that's just not actually Which you can find yep. in Word just by the navigation pane and going, wow, that's a blank spot. I'm that's a, a, go an empty delete. italic line. Yeah, yeah. That was an example text that I deleted. It's from like, oh, I've got three lines of header to three. There's only one line of text there. Right. Oh, that's, that's a good question. How long can headers be in your book design? Sometimes a three-line header is no longer a header. In fact, always a three-line header is no longer a header. Often a two-line header is no longer a header. It's, it's a paragraph a now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a point at which I'm, what, oh man, what, oh, it's Trail of Cthulhu because it uses uh, three columns. Right. Um, where headers very quickly almost become art. Where you're like, well, if that's a quarter of a page is this header describing what city we're in. It's a ta it's a establishing shot, essentially. Right. And it's like, well, that header is a paragraph now. And I wrote it, so I'm just going to change it because I'm also the layout artist on this book. I went through editing, so it's, the typos are fine, but right. I'm like, yeah, I, I have that call. I'm just going to go ahead and shorten it because... I'm taking up valuable art space with a header. And like we were saying earlier about the word count, yeah. I've had many clients give me 12, 8 and a half by 11 sheets. Like, I need a 6 by 9 and 12 pages. And you just look at them and it's like, nope. And they get mad at you because, well, oh, I wrote this 12 pages. These 12 pages have to fit into these 12 pages. 
it not shrink. They're not the same. They're, the pages are literally different sizes. Yeah. And there's questions. Uh, 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 how many? Of, how many of you are planning on doing layout yourselves? Just so there's a bit. Okay. Awesome. Uh, cool. Um, think little cheats that you can do real quick to change. During the book design phase, that you're still showing the client the same thing, but is the difference between justified and unjustified text changes not so much how many words per page, but how many words in a line, right? And justified is when uh, a text goes all the way to the right edge of every line, the same amount, that's justified text. If it's unjustified, it does that ragged edge, uh, like this is unjustified yeah, yeah. text. And they're both fine, they have different kind of benefits and drawbacks. Uh, but often it's also a matter of uh, uh, reliability. Um, in terms of I want to have 10 words on every line or I don't care if there's some lines are five and some lines are 10 depending on the length of the word. Are you or are you not gonna hyphenate on cards? I don't recommend it. Um, on sh very short pages, I don't recommend it. I recommend just letting the word go <laughs> onto the new line. Um, uh, there are often, there are always exceptions, but you can also hand hyphenate if you really have a giant Morgan Canaan size word that you need to hyphenate to make, to make yeah. an orphan or a widow, which is right, letters or words stranded by themselves at the top of a new page or the, the top of a new paragraph, you need them to go back to what, from whence they came to the previous page. Um, then you can go back and hand hyphenate stuff or adjust uh, letting and, uh, and letter spacing. Tracking. Tracking. Uh, tracking is the thing that, that adjusts the space between the letters. <laughs> and you can do it word by word or paragraph by paragraph. It's actually a great, it's a great trick if you have a really structured layout that you can go in and say, because if it changes, the, depending on the, how many W's are in a paragraph or how many I's, the letter I's or M's are in a paragraph, you change that, that space between the letters by minus one, which is a tiny little margin, a tiny little factor. The I will never know, but the page will know. The I's, the letters will get a little bit closer together and you might pick up a line because two words move to the end of the, of the next line. Um, and that's, I wish I, uh, it's hard to show exactly what it is on, in like InDesign and stuff, uh, but InDesign's, so well documented, you can find it for letter spacing. Yeah, um, and and it will let you do stuff like to minus a hundred and plus a hundred, right? Right. I, which the eye starts noticing in my experience about five, plus or minus five. Right. Um, so if you wanted to go undetected, stay within minus five to plus five. Yeah, right. uh, but there's all sorts of black magic you can do. Oh God. It's like how, if we wrote papers in high school or college, you were like, well, I'm at, I'm at nine pages of a ten-page paper. I can I can get a tenth page out of this. It's the similar tricks in a lot of cases. Just usually in inverse. Oh, we, we, we need to right, refresh right, right. it. With, with RPG designers, it's, very, it's more often I need to get 10 pages into four. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. But, um, and I say that as, I mean, I do that with my own books where I'm like, oh, you oh, know, yeah. like, every chapter I can toss another 500 words in and then in layout I just want to punch myself in the neck. <laughs> well, that's when you say, well, I'm doing layout so I can cut an extra 500 words from right. this. Yeah, it's my call. Yeah. I'm just going to send it back to the author, which is me anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, writers are paid by the word, and layout designers are paid by the page. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Is the writer, is it okay to use in order to, or should I just jump? Right? I, I, in general, as a writer, would say just, just make it two. In order to is fine, but it is very often just means the same as two. Um, and if you're not talking about procedures, especially multi-step procedures, the phrase in order to means the same thing as two. Likewise, the word that can come out of most English sentences. <coughs> With, uh, write the present tense. This makes text shorter. Um, whenever possible, so that you're just taking the word will out of out of paragraphs, right? And essentially, I mean, there's grammar that often has to change, but instead of the orc will kill the halfling, the orc kills the halfling. You just save space. And, as, and if you're not getting paid by the word, then what do you care? If you are getting paid by the word, you should still write brevity because you can get better value for the same number of words, uh, and because brevity is good. I'm a snob about that, about in order to. Like, oh, it bothers me. Uh, any other tips or tricks that you would recommend for people uh, in order to make your life not a living hell when laying out a book? Well, just know, have your artwork ready. Mm -hmm. Or even just know where you're gonna put your art. Like, if you want your art to come after something, tell me. Don't let me go through the, almost half the book and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna put my art right here, and then you just change the entire right. Book shifts. Don't don't wait for the first draft of the layout to come back to you to decide where you want art to go. That I mean, you can make cost you yeah. more money. Yeah. Also, that's the thing, right? Where you think about if you're making art that is uh, that is designed to go in a corner of a page versus art that's designed to go in the center of a page. These kind of art design decisions are super vital in terms of if we if a book is full of center 
art, like vignettes, soft-edged art that's designed to go in the center of a page, that's part of the look. And you hopefully have had this conversation already about how many of those there are or why they're there. If your book is a series of corner illustrations that are just designed to be little triangles in the corner, and they can't be flipped, like they're not just geometric designs, you're taking a lot of options away from the layout designer, who says, well, this, this piece of art can only go in an upper right-hand corner, or this piece of art can only go on the left side of a page and read correctly. Suddenly, like, that's, that's a lot of maneuvers that we have lost that we can use to make your book read like a user interface and not just like a novel. And novels are great, obviously, right? Who doesn't love a novel? But for RPGs, there's that notion of if you can get all the feats in a two-page spread, great, do it. But if we can't because of the headers or where the, uh, where the art goes or because you had 31 feats instead of 30 or whatever it is, but... Uh, uh, this is one of the reasons, by the way, why it's often faster to be able to write and design a book that is third or fourth or tenth in a line is because you already know what the book looks like, right? You've seen, a, you've seen your core rule book, so the supplement, you have a vague sense as to how the art works and where the sidebars are and what they look like and how much space they can take Apply up. Apply all styles big. now. Yeah. yeah. You start, you've got an established style guide. Yeah. yeah. And so that process saves everybody time. And you can, so is, I don't, is it ever too early to bring the layout designer in in terms of the manuscript is this long? I'm not actually assigning you anything yet. But to ask, I, I got brought in on kids on bikes, mm. and um, before I even started, John and Doug just gave me this, and they're like, all right, just read through this, and they left the art layout for me and the art direction for me, which has been the first oh wow ever. So I went through the entire book. I'm like, all right, I'll cut it here, and this artwork's going to go here, and I'm going to put this here, and this artwork's going to go here, I'm going to put this here, and this artwork's going to go here. That worked for the first draft. Right. Yeah. Then they added an entire another section here, another section there, another section here. And so all my carefully written notes that had on page 21, we're going to have right. this illustration. On page 17, we're going to have this. On page 4, we're going to have this. That page 4 doesn't exist anymore because that page 4 is now page 8. And all my all the references that we've established no longer work. Right. And now I have to dig through the entire book again to figure out where this one little bit of thing goes. And that's an extra half hour worth of work because now I have to read everything back to that point because you're saying, it's after the word hello. Where? <laughs> Which is the aforementioned give final text uh, recommendation, pretty much. Because, I mean, doing the same step, when it's actually, no, it's done. It's yeah. the final, final. That, that's trivial. Well, not oh, trivial, no, but it's... Look at your, your less files. files. Version 1, version 2, version 3, version 3.5, version 7. And you're like, this is all in your computer because sometimes your client will go, well, I need to go back to this. Right. Oh. And it's just, have your project finished before you hand it off to somebody to, to polish it for you. How many times can the word final appear in a file name? My, my victory so far, my longest, is six. It wasn't mine, but I've seen it. Where it's, this is the final, 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 right. final, final draft of this book. Don't do that to us. Don't do that to yourself. Anyway. All right. I got angry at one client. I had, God damn it, it's over. And that was the final. <laughs> nice. <laughs> is there any one more question we can answer? Anything that we ricochet off of or whatnot? If not, we're good to go. And thank you very thank much. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. Oh, I'm glad that worked out. I was worried I was missing anything, something massive.